Hey, hey, what's going on, everybody? It's episode 92 of the Audible Farm Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Couch Town Coffee. Couch Town Coffee is roasted right here in Iowa. They make every order specifically for whoever orders it. So if you order coffee from Couch Town, they're roasting it for you, and then they'll ship it to your house. Nothing better than that. If you want to check it out, go to www.couchtowncoffee.com. Find a coffee you like, and uh, when you make an order, you can save 20% just because you listen to this podcast, and uh, that's another reason I love Couchtown Coffee. Couchtown, it's like all the coffee I've ever been drinking uh, for the last year or so has been Couchtown with uh, very few exceptions, and I'll tell you what, when I don't drink Couchtown, I can totally tell. So uh, check it out, www.couchtowncoffee.com. If you make an order this week, you can save 20% by entering the code word Brutal. Brutal is the code word, and it'll save you 20%. Thanks, Couchtown. Why is the code word brutal this week? Because I'm sitting down with Jeremy Ober. Jeremy Ober is back on the podcast, and he's back in Iowa. We discuss all sorts of things, such as uh, his winter travels down to Texas and uh, coming back to Iowa just to have no shows to play due to the pandemic and uh, how everything's kind of affected him. Um, you know, it's it's really good to be able to sit down with him and talk with him again because it's, it's one of those things. He was such a staple in the area, and then he was gone for a while, and now he's back. And, you know, it shows are starting up again, and if you want to check it out, I mean, we talk about that in the podcast, uh, coming back to playing shows and, and how things have changed. Uh, it's been a really good time sitting down talking with Jeremy. It's been a while since I have talked to him, so I hope you guys enjoy this one. I had fun sitting down talking with him. This is episode 92 with Jeremy Ober. It's the Audible Farm Podcast with your host, Peter Stockdale. All right, so what's going on, uh, Mr. Jeremy Ober? Sitting down today. I haven't talked to you in a while. You were actually one of the f- one of the first people I talked to. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, like, I think you were you were easily like one of the first twenty people I talked to um, for the podcast. So it was, you know, it was one of those things where I knew you were uh, pretty popular around the area, and I'd known you for a long time, and it was it was kind of a fun thing because you were like with me when I was still essentially troubleshooting how I was trying to do all this. Huh. But as of late, like you've. Uh, I mean, this winter you went down to Texas and and played some down there, and that was that was a pretty cool thing because, I mean, it's not something that too many people around this area do. So, I guess I like what what's the what's the grand consensus on going down to Texas? Was it an enjoyable time? I had a good time with it. Yeah. Uh, what kind of stuff did you do down there? Like, uh, did you go down there knowing places where you could play, or were you just kind of going down there a little bit blind and and getting your foot in the door where you could? I was fully blind. I didn't know anybody down there. Um, it, I, I lucked out the very first night that I was there, I lucked out because I went to 6th Street, which is kind of the main music drag in Austin, and walked into a bar called Poor Choices, and... Is that like poor, like poor drink? Yeah, yeah, like poor drink, yeah. Nice, And, um, the owner happened to be there. And so I talked to him for a second, but he seemed pretty indifferent. And so he told me to talk to the bartender. So I went and talked to her. He's like, it's up to her if she wants you to come in on her shift. So she's right. like, well, come in on 
you know, Monday or whatever at three o'clock and do a three hour set and we'll plug you into the house PA and Oh cool. Do all that and we'll see how it goes. So I did that and she was happy enough with it, so she told me I could come and play anytime I wanted. Because oh. they didn't have any music and she said that the bar was kinda hurting every other because every bar on that street has basically music all day starting at like three in the afternoon till close oh jeez after act after act so that's like 12 12 hours straight of music that's yeah for most of the places that's pretty insane considering a lot of places around here i mean you might find people doing a stretch from like eight or nine until bar close but it's that's i mean you're adding another six plus hours onto that it wasn't the same act they'd have three acts a day oh okay yeah that's still a lot of time that's four hours each that's Mm -hmm. a lot still a lot of time to so up for uh for somebody at least in my opinion i couldn't do it so yeah yeah. so uh i mean like that was one of the things though like you you'd played pretty much everywhere around iowa i mean we're talking in the northern half of iowa you pretty much went west coast to east coast i mean it's pretty much that and uh you're one of the musicians that is out there every single weekend it seems like playing a show if not friday and saturday and yeah and stuff like that was uh you know this is one of those instances I'm I'm assuming where you kind of got your chops up here and you you'd kind of seen everything that was here and why not just kind of go see what's somewhere else for a while? I guess um, I I don't know. No. And like warm weather had played a role in it. Seeing Ooh. somewhere new, yeah, played a big role in it. Oh nice! So it's uh, kind of like a perfect storm situation for you. Yeah, and I was just kind of in a place personally to where I didn't really have anything on the horizon planned. Like when you're planless, you know. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, well, just go do something without a plan then, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> I guess it's better than just sitting around not doing anything. I mean, that's mm-hmm. that's something I will have to say for you, because you've always seemed to keep really busy in, in the music scene. Uh, for example, we covered a little bit of this in the in the first interview, but I remember sitting uh, sitting down playing music when I was, you know, 18, 17 years old, just a youngster or whatever, and I uh, ended up you know, somehow contacting, you came, you came in contact with me or something like that. And I had a band and we played punk music, but you, you know, you wanted to know if, if we had some original songs that we could mix in with our other ones, if we could play live shows and, and things like that. And it, I just didn't have my chops up at the time, but, uh, I mean it, I can't go, you know, a couple few weeks talking to musicians without somehow hearing your name or about how they played a show with you over the last 10, 15 years you know somewhere around the area yeah you know that's uh it's it's always been one of the things so you've always been really really busy and it's you've always found something to occupy your time yeah um you know it's it's pretty crazy you ended up going down there and and finding a place right away that was willing to have you you know did you do any other you play any other did you play at any other places while you were down there yeah but at every place that i ever got was blind luck because you know that was the, basically i went to i stopped at every club on sixth street while i was there and they were all booked for months uh-huh. you know so so just happening to walk into the right bar at the right time the first night i was there kind of kind of saved my ass in a lot of in a lot of respects um then i did go to an open jam at one of the suburbs of austin uh uh buda texas and beautiful uh, venue there called Bucks, and um, played the open jam, and, the, and so they invited me to play a show there on another night. So I got to play that club. Cool. And then I got my door into a brewery too. Outside of that, it was basically just poor choices every week, and then sidewalks every day. That's pretty cool, though. I mean, like, uh, just just coming from what I would think of my own personal skill level, like I would be so nervous to just go out there and 
and let other people hear everything I've got. And that's like one of the things I always think is, is funny. People are like, are you a musician? It's like, I play music. I don't know if I'm a musician in the aspect where, you know, people like you and maybe Clint Riedel are out there uh, just bearing your soul for everybody. I mean, uh, there's so many people around this area and all over Iowa that are, are more than willing to write music and, and sing it and play it. And even on your own, for example, I talked to a friend of mine recently and, and something about him, he was saying he played his first acoustic solo show ever mm. and he's like i i can't describe it and i said it's kind of like going to high school without your clothes on yeah. it, there's nowhere to hide everyone's gonna see everything about you and you can't hide anything and you're never going to be able to you know right. i mean like that's one of the crazy things like it, have you always been that way about your music is that something you had to work up to 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 get i guess some sort of confidence in in your own abilities or or how does that all shake down because i'm always curious how people i guess get to be you know comfortable being right. on stage um i don't think i ever really had an issue with confidence per se i mean i remember the very first show i ever played with my first band i was antsy you know i don't know if you call it like nervousness or something it was something but mm -hmm. you know i wasn't like nervous per se um i don't even remember what the first solo show i played was i, I mean i remember playing at the moreland bar for like a hundred bucks a night when I was 18 or mm -hmm. something. I walked in and they're like, how much do you charge? And I was like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> you know like, I, have, I have no idea. And, I, and I'd sit there and play for four hours. And I, I don't remember it being a nerve wracking experience because I think at the time I was just full of piss and vinegar enough to the point to where I just wanted to go make noise. And yeah, you know, that was fine. If someone would let me, I would do it. You know? Yeah. That makes sense. Totally. I mean, like, from generally just speaking from an odd standpoint too it's like the odds of somebody else being able to come up here and and play the instrument that you have better than you are pretty low just on the simple fact it's like how many people in here actually play the guitar but also you're the one playing the show so they don't they don't get a say in it they don't get to sit up there and then play their stuff and and try and quote unquote show you up right i, I suppose you know even though that that's true like you know most people in the audience aren't going to be able to play anything you know there's still an aspect of are you making noise that people are going to find desirable to sit there and listen to? Ooh, <laughs> totally. Know? Yeah. Because you, know, you can do a lot of stuff that they don't do, but that doesn't mean that they're going to want to listen to it for four hours or even an hour, you know, while they're sitting there. Yeah. Enjoy their beer, you know? Oh gosh. You have, yeah. you have to make the atmosphere enjoyable. Oh yeah. yeah. That totally has something to be said too. Cause if, if they were allowing you to sit there and play for four hours, it's not like you were chasing people away, you know? I would that, imagine not. <laughs> I mean, believe it or not, that's, that's a thing that sometimes can happen at certain venues for certain musicians, depending oh, on like what, there. what's going on. You know, I, I have cleared a bar before. <laughs> yeah, yeah <and> it's <laughs> that wrong crowd. It wasn't my crowd. Yeah, and I mean, yeah. it's it's not like it's not something that like you want to say you're like proud of or whatever. It's nobody should be proud of like clearing a bar or something. But it, it's so weird when you're stuck in a situation where you're like, oh, this this isn't my my space, you know. And uh, a good example of that would be like I play in a punk band in Des Moines, but we're like pretty heavy on the punk end of the spectrum so sometimes we'll get tossed in with like metal bands and stuff and it's not quite metal you know and sometimes the metal people will go out and get a drink or go to the bathroom or whatever whatever else they want to do because because we're up there playing you know and yeah, yeah it happens sometimes it's is that like did you ever sit and think about that like uh your first time uh i don't want to say like bombing but did, did was that like a setback for you at all or was that just something where you just chalked it up to wrong crowd wrong place because you've already had experiences yeah, that were positive yeah almost always you know the only times that i ever remember that happening is with the republic and i was always confident <laughs> enough in our material 
to to be like, well, we're you know we're not bad. Like our songs oh, aren't bad. Totally yeah, not. You know, like maybe we have nights. I I've never had a show to to where I can look back and soberly think, you know, oh that was just a train wreck. You know, like mm-hmm. there were shows that weren't great. You know, that yeah. Maybe something happened. We didn't play our best or whatever. But most most of the time it was just wrong crowd. There there was one show we played in Iowa Falls. This was I think with the first lineup of the band. Or not Iowa Falls, Iowa City. And um, we didn't know anything about it. We knew that there was a band opening up for us. Mm-hmm. We were we went in blind. And the place was like, I mean, it was a bar, but it more resembled like a tea shop. Like, like, like <laughs> it, it was this very trendy Ooh. place. Like, we walk in, like, basically every other guy's wearing a turtleneck. Oh, and, wow. And, I, and at the time, we're just like a hard rock band. And yep. I was like, oh, man, this isn't good. And then the first band that gets up there is a Dave Matthews tribute band. Oof. And and they kill it, you yep. know, and, but the crowd is just losing their shit over it. Like, mm-hmm. like, they're eating it up, you know, and, and like, they want an encore, and it's like, oh, well, we can't, the next up is Brutal Republic, and we're standing there waiting to load on, and they just start booing us. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and so, and so, <laughs> like, and at that, you know, while we were sitting, before any of that happened, I was like, well, we got a couple, like, ballady kind of songs we can start with that and see if we can win them over mm-hmm. but by the time like that happened i was just so pissed by the time we got on stage i was like heaviest song we got you know yep and, and so we just went in balls to the wall you know and 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 by by the last note the last like three people were walking out and the last lyric of the song was i hope you choke and the, <laughs> and the guy like turned around and was like i hope you choke and then we got in a yelling match i'm like f you junior <laughs> you know keep walking you know? and empire empire second song the bartender the bartender was sitting there he was running sound and by the third song he just started putting chairs up on tables oh man <laughs> you know? were you guys like the headliner of the night then yeah yeah you know. oh man that's that's such a rough situation to be put into because it's just like who somebody here didn't do their homework you know like it's back in the day it was a lot harder to study who's been at ball you know now you can just look at facebook event histories and you're like they've booked these types of bands i'll fit in here easy right you know yeah. back in the day that wasn't a possibility yeah yeah and and now i'm not now i wouldn't even be worried about it because we have so much material that we can fit on almost any bill you know we could we could go and play an hour set that would fit whoever's going to come after us if we had to you know that's probably one of the coolest things about i guess you as brutal republic when you i mean you can even do it solo acoustic but like you as brutal republic with uh um trevino and oh my gosh i'm gonna mess it up fairy fairy i I don't even want to say what i was thinking um yeah sorry jordan no, that's Caleb. God damn it, Caleb. <laughs> yeah. God damn it, that's Shoot. what I was thinking. Right. Um, so that, anyways, but yeah, you guys have the ability to sit down and play um, stuff that it, that would literally appeal to almost any audience that would show up to a show, aside from like, you know, operatic theme type stuff. Mm. You know, uh, I remember seeing you at Timbuk Brew once, and you played, um, I want to say Mardi Gras. Which is not necessarily, it's not even one of your songs originally as Brutal, but I mean, it's yours in the sense that you played in another band. Yeah, yeah, we do play it in Lone Tree. Yep. Yep. I, I basically consider every song I write to be a Brutal Republic song. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, the Republic will lay that down and record it at some point, you know. Oh, and, cool. and, and we, you know, play it live and all that jazz. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, we initially played that song live before Lone Tree ever did. Oh, no way. Oh, so, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And that song's not like, heavy by any means i mean it's no, not no. i mean that's like 
I remember seeing that song and see, saw you guys play that there. And I was like, dude, this is so killer. And then uh, that was the night they had a bunch of mosquitoes there. Oh, if you remember yeah, that night. Yeah. But then I remember, I remember like the later the night got, the music just kept getting heavier, and it felt like it. It felt like it fit the atmosphere so perfectly for like how a night should go based on music you would listen to if you were like just at a bar, anyways. You know. Yeah, yeah, and that that's kind of the goal. Um, I mean, I think I personally think we could probably fine tune it a little bit more because we never have a set list right now. Oh wow! And so basically, we just go up and you know one of us calls off a song and we start into it you know but the goal is to progress you know do something because when you're starting at nine o'clock and going till one um and you don't have an opening act or anything you know the idea is to step in and give them something that's just nice to listen to ease your way into it yeah you know and as the night goes on you start you know maybe playing you know about the middle of the night you start playing songs that they can dance to you know something you ah. know because if you can get girls up dancing, like, that's going to keep the guys there, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and then by the end of the night, yeah, about the last ha- last hour of our set is our heavy set. And so hopefully people are just, you know, feeling good enough that they can get into it, you know. Sometimes, sometimes it, you know, it's not always a situation to where they're on their feet and just losing it over it, you know. <laughs> yeah. But, but, but I mean, I, I always walk away feeling that we showed you know, at least most of them a good time. Yeah, it's, so. I, I mean, I never thought about, like, the actual psychology that would be involved in, like, planning a set list, but, like, just to have, just to have availability of you three to be able to call out a song and and play it, that's, that means that you have to have enough songs to cover four hours, and then you have to be able to remember all of them, yeah, or, yeah. or to be like, dude, we play this one already, you know, like, it's been three hours, did we play this once, or, you yeah. know, I mean, I'm, but, I mean, I was, I was even just thinking, like, the people that are going to be at any venue at 9 o'clock are going to be probably different than the, you know, people that would be there at, like, midnight, you know? So, you, uh, it's kind of crazy how, like, now that I, th- the more I think about this, the more it all actually makes so much sense. I don't know why I didn't think of it initially, but. Yeah, it, if we if we took the stage and did the material we do in the last hour, and that was, like, our first hour, Oh yeah, we'd probably run half the crowd out, you know, if, if you just, unless they're there to see a hard rock or metal band, you know, Yep. Um, but when you're playing for a four hour show, like you're playing there because people want to listen to music in general, like, you know, mm-hmm. and then after that, you know, even if you don't run them out, you just went through all your most blazing stuff in the first hour. Oh you know? yeah. There's no, you can't go up any higher yeah, from so, there. So all you're going to do is bring the mood down from there you know and, and bring the energy down you know so the idea is to build end with the most energy as you can and end on that note you know? that totally makes sense because if you flip-flopped it you'd be like essentially like putting people to you know down to sleep by the right. by the end of the set so like i i mean that's crazy like starting out with the the conversation we did i didn't think i would actually come to something where i'd be thinking about it this much um and i'm sure there's tons of bands that uh, you know are, are more than capable of applying the same technique to what they're doing i mean it's it's probably no secret to some of the people that can actually cover four hours. I was talking a little bit beforehand um, with another musician about how I don't know if I could cover four hours if I had to. You know, like, mm. I don't know if it, it's something that I probably could if I absolutely had to, but it's not something right now that would be something I would want to do. So just the fact that people like you could do that is, is pretty mind-blowing in and of itself. Yeah, well, I mean, a lot of it is just that I've been working for so long and, you know eventually you just accrue that much material that you know, you know, uh, yeah. I mean, it, it's just, most of it was just by happenstance to where, you know, probably most of, like, if I sit down and do an acoustic four-hour show, 
I would say the majority of that material is stuff I've been playing since I was 20. All right. It, you know, because at that point in my in my life, like, it was like, oh, I, this song would be fun to play. This song would be fun to play. You know, if I heard a song that I'd like, I'd learn it just for the fun of it, you know. Uh-huh. And then it's like, well, I can play this if I go and book a show. Mm-hmm. And now... I never do that, you know, you know like, like if I'm going to take the time to learn a song and work it up, it has to be something I'm going to use. I never learn anything for fun anymore, which maybe is a detriment, maybe not, I don't know. Well, I don't know. It, it, it just is what it is, you know, yeah. you know, and, and you have to remember all those lyrics and all that mm-hmm. stuff, you know, so I, I, I'm kind of a big subscriber that I just don't clutter my mind with anything that requires too much attention you, you know mm-hmm. like if it's another subject or something like that because you know at any given time i have to be able to recall lyrics and notes from you know roughly 12 hours of music yeah a catalog of 12 you know between the two bands and my acoustic show mm-hmm. there's four hours of material for all three of those things <laughs> yeah you know so so it's like i have to be able to remember that so mm-hmm. i can't go out you know i can't get into like woodcrafting and start yeah <laughs> and start and yeah. start remembering all the all the ins and outs of that you know oh my gosh so yeah i mean that totally makes sense though because i mean this is i mean music is what you have done in your adult life pretty much your whole entire adult life i mean yeah you've uh been not only a musician but you also teach lessons yeah is that some i actually let's so you you go to texas you come back uh there's the coronavirus thing and everything pretty much shuts down yeah um was that like right when you came back or i, I had one show when i got back that i was able to perform then everything else got canceled after that oh my gosh how about and that made me think like lessons are you st- do you still have the availability to do lessons did you do like skype lessons or no um i basically shut down lessons for the duration of it um until chris was comfortable opening up the store again where i get at eighth note where i teach shout out and, eighth note music in yep, fort dodge yep and chris uh Carr. which it's not open the, the store is still not open it's it's mm-hmm. you know open by appointment only but open to lessons and so you know but i've kind of streamlined my lessons down anyway my my schedule's pretty relaxed I, I teach tuesdays and thursdays as of right now and i'm probably from here on out going to be a little bit more selective about the students i take rather than taking everybody mm-hmm. you know i'll take a student on a trial basis and then if after a month it's like they're not practicing or something i'll just cut them loose you know yeah where i used to just kind of suffer through it you know if a kid didn't want to be there i'd it's like well you know you never know yeah and 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 there's been plenty of kids that have surprised me you know there's been a handful of kids where it's like oh this kid's never going to get into this and then eventually it's like their main thing for at least a stretch of their life Mm -hmm. you know that's like one of the wildest things i think about like i i taught lessons too um just to the point where i can teach beginners stuff you know uh anything up to intermediate level i'd probably pass them on to somebody else but like uh i would teach lessons to some people and it's like you said eventually you you run into a student every now and then it's like it's not practicing or whatever and it's like you know, maybe their parents prepaid for lessons already. And, and you, I mean, even if you try and convey it to the parent, you're just kind of like, hey, just trying to let you know, like, it seems like your kid could use a little extra practice. And sometimes it is kind of tough to do that just to to keep doing the lessons, you know. And I, I, I feel like that'd pro- that was probably the toughest part was, like, putting the energy into it just to have um, somebody not enjoy it was probably, like, the hardest part. You know, and I, I get it. I mean, I was a kid that, like, my parents would 
sign me up for something or whatever. And I'd be like, I don't want to do this. And they'd be like, just go ahead and try it. You know, and that's all I really wanted you to do was try it. Yeah. And, uh, I was, you know, I was one of those kids that was just like, no, this is, this is dumb. I mean, that was kind of how I functioned. So I, I get the concept, but, uh, like you said, it is kind of tough to, to have a lesson with, uh, you know, somebody that doesn't necessarily, doesn't necessarily want to have one, but just, I mean, for every one of those, you've got, I would say at least five to 10 students that really, really emphatically enjoy playing the guitar. So, I mean, it's, it's not a big proportion of people that are, you feel like you're stuck there with. Have you ever had like a student that really, really surprised you? Um, um, for example, one of mine would be, I, I taught a lady that was, um, retired and her husband had died and she, went down to Texas in the winter time and she wanted to try and play at a jam night down there. She thought it'd be kind of fun. So like she asked a couple of the people there, can I bring an acoustic guitar and play some songs with you? I don't know how to play, but I can figure out how to play. If you tell me like what songs I can sit in on. So she was given five songs and she learned them all in like a month. It was insane. Mm-hmm. Granted, she didn't have anything else to do. So she played the guitar all the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was probably the most surprising thing ever. Cause Eventually she got so good. It was just like, she went down for a winter and came back and was like, I don't know if I can teach anything else. Like you've learned anything I can teach you easily. You've already learned. So oh, cool. I mean, have you ever had anybody like that? That's just mind blowing. Like somebody that was really young that picked it up really quick or, or um, a student that you didn't think, you know, at first. And then all of a sudden it was like, they're getting so good at this. It's insane. Oh yeah. Yeah. I've had students to where, you know, either, either by lack of, or apparent lack of interest or, you know, sometimes just for lack of like natural talent like you know where you run into someone who just like for whatever reason doesn't have any inkling of how to gather a rhythm like you mm-hmm. know like, like they're just not a rhythmic bone in their body mm-hmm. you know and, and you know you're thinking like you know this guy's never gonna get it you know mm-hmm. but yeah if they stick at long enough i mean if they want it they're gonna get it mm-hmm. basically you know like like they, they didn't all blow my minds but you know i've had so many students get beyond a point to where i ever dreamed they would you know, get, I, I stopped predicting long ago, you know? Oh yeah. And so, so it's like, even if you have some kid who just isn't into it, you just never know. Cause I've seen the exceptions to the rules, but yeah, I mean, usually you're right if you make those predictions, but, but, you but know, not always. Yeah, yeah. I was wrong enough that I stopped making the predictions. That's, so. that's, you know, that's crazy though. It's one of those things. If you live and learn long enough, eventually you've learned enough to know that you can't, you know, you're not going to know. The only plan is to make sure that you know, the main thing is the main thing, but you got to know that plans don't always go according to plans. So right. Yeah. That's, that's pretty crazy though, too. Like I have, I've thought about like some of the stuff, um, as far as like teaching guitar lessons, one of the coolest things I ever had was, uh, a kid showed up with a, what I could only just call, um, lovingly as a Walmart toy guitar. Yeah. yeah. It's an actual functioning guitar. Mm-hmm. You can put strings on it and it works. Yeah. And, uh, but the thing is it's, it's not intonated very well, and I mean, yep. it's not doesn't sound good even at all. But notes still come out of it, so it still works. It was a very cheap, affordable thing for him. But he played this thing so much that it started like the frets were falling apart because they were made yeah. out of composite wood and, yeah, yeah. and stuff like that. And we'd get done playing lessons, and his hands would be all black because he'd be just shredding this guitar all up. Cool. And uh, I mean, that was one of the coolest things ever to see somebody play a guitar so much that it was like falling apart in their hands. You yeah, know? just and, imagine when he gets a real guitar in his hand, what it, what he'll do with it, you know? Mm-hmm. And then it just comes and lights out oh my gosh yeah (laughs) can you imagine like did you always have like nice ish guitars or do you remember the first time you went from having a 
what I would call a lower level guitar because there's nothing wrong with them really. Yeah. But yeah. once you get into like a high end guitar, like your first time you put your hands on one, you're like, holy cow. Yeah. So the my first guitar was uh, a BC Rich Warlock. Yeah. <laughs> it was just this ridiculous looking thing. You know what it is? Yep. And all the jazz. Yep. And I thought it was like the coolest thing when I was like 15. I was like, ooh, oh, I'm yeah. going to get that. So by the time I was 16, I'd saved up enough and bought it. And I played with that and for, I played with that for two years. And then I bought Grace, my main guitar, that Les Paul. Mm-hmm. And, and so that was the first like really nice guitar I ever owned, you know. And that's mm-hmm. been my main guitar ever since. Um, but yeah, it, it's night and day difference, <laughs> you know, and, and it's, it's kind of a shame, you know, because when you get these lower level guitars, they're hard to play. They're not the easiest things to play a lot of the time, mm-hmm. you know? And so when you have these people who never picked up a guitar or something and they have to learn on something where you're working so hard to play it anyway, then once you give them a guitar that plays nice and sounds nice and everything, it's, it's just like, man, you know, it makes it so much easier for any player yeah you know once i have students that go up to a mid-level guitar they just can't believe it like every time they're like i cannot believe this <laughs> this, this is what i've been missing you know and it's just like a 500 hundred dollar guitar you know yeah I mean, <laughs> and 500 guitar guitar like you know it's even to you or me it's still an expensive guitar yeah, um, money. it's a lot of money so uh i mean it's nothing to sneeze at but at the same rate like you said if you go from something that's like 150 to the 200 dollar range to like a 500 dollar, we're talking new cost because you can get them used for cheaper but if yeah. you don't know what you're looking for then you don't know what you're looking for it's right. kind of a tough thing but like i said like i remember my first guitar was a squire strat i bought it uh or got it given to me for christmas it came with one of those like frontman amps and it was in like one of those big stand-up boxes and everything yep. came in one you know and i i played the thing until uh i mean i was starting to wear off part of the the finish on the back of the neck it was starting to like get torn up from where i was playing and i played it so much not that i was like the best or anything but i remember buying just an Epiphone Les Paul. Yeah. Uh, it was one of their, I guess you'd say, like nicer models of the Les Paul. So it was, it was pretty nice upgrade. And I still remember just being like, this thing actually feels like you know a real guitar. Not that a Squire Strat is not, but yeah. uh, it's it's a pretty mind blowing thing. I've actually been playing a Squire Strat um, the last couple days just <sighs> because. Um, I, I guess I'm probably like anyone else. You have one guitar that's always sitting there ready to play. Yep. And sometimes you put it in a box and get the other guitar out or whatever. Yep. But I've been working on a guitar and that's, I've been working on a Squire Strat for somebody. And that was one that's just been sitting there. Like I've just been playing it and making minor adjustments on it to get it all intonated. But right it's like you said, uh, I've been playing it and you've noticed it's harder to play than say like a nice Ibanez or something. Yep. It's uh, it's pretty crazy. I, I, I bet it's kind of like uh, driving a car, even though like, I guess, you know, it might not be the best example because it's not everybody, you know, it makes sense that you wouldn't want to spend the money on like a BMW for your first car, yeah. you know, but, yeah. but, uh, I guess it's one of those cool things though, too. Like if you get somebody that's just dedicated enough, they'll see that like all that hard work is going to pay off as soon as you upgrade your guitar. Right. You yeah. Know, that's a, it's a pretty crazy thing. You've never been one to really acquire too much gear or uh, you don't, I don't ever see you with like a thousand pedals on stage. You know, you're not a, a very yeah. i mean your signal chain is pretty basic it's just a guitar and maybe maybe a pedal i don't even know if you have a pedal no i don't use any pedals <coughs> so my, my my mindset is either the amp does what i want it to do or it doesn't so oh yeah so, so you know i i wouldn't spend money on any amp to where i had to put pedals add but, pedals to it that's just yeah and that's just how i like to play i, I don't like to worry about stopping on things <laughs> when i'm on stage and all that jazz you know i'd, I'd rather 
if I need to do anything with a setting, I'll just use my volume knobs. Basically, if I want to back off gain without losing all the gain, oh. that's all that's all done with volume knobs and stuff. Um, so yeah, I've I've had I've had the same pretty much the same setup ever since I was 18. The same same exact amp, same speaker cabinet. Nice. My, my speaker cabinet is a 300 watt rated Fender that I bought for 300 bucks off my buddy. Nice. And then I bought the 5150 new. So that was like a thousand dollars. Yeah, so, you know, it's thirteen hundred dollars in that amp. I've changed the power tubes once, mm -hmm. and outside of that, I haven't done anything to it. Outside of just abuse it horribly, mm -hmm. you know, and it just never stops working. I've I've dumped three beers down the top of it, you know, setting up, you know, and the <laughs> beer spills and goes down on the tubes and stuff. Last time we did that, we were in Des Moines a couple years back, and during the whole show, we could smell the beer just burning off the tubes the, the whole show and everything yeah. but it just it never stops working you know and and just the other day I, I was unpacking my van and i found that i loaded my stuff and all stupid and i accidentally stuck a, a mic stand through one of the speakers in my cabinet like straight through it so there's just a gaping hole in it oh man and we had, uh, a couple of days later we had we were doing a live stream with the republic and it's like well let's see how it sounds yep and it actually almost even sounds better like with this hole <laughs> in the speaker so it's like oh man i'm not gonna do anything to it now like, I'll, just, I'll just let it be well, that's so. kind of cool though like it, uh that like accidental modification actually like is now going to lend itself to the tone yeah. that you're going to create yeah, it doesn't sound bad at all that's, so that's pretty wild though like i mean i've gone through different phases of uh um like I remember I read it online somewhere. Someone said musicians, some musicians have gas, which is gear acquisition syndrome. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So like I've gone through different time spans in my life where it's like, I want to try some pedals out. And then before you know it, you got like 10 pedals, you yeah, know, you. you only use four of them and you're like, but I got these other ones in case I want to use any like you never use them. And yeah, I don't have that itch. You know, it, it's funny because as, as much as time as I spend in a music store, you know, I never screw around with any of the pedals. They don't interest me. Um, gear in general just doesn't interest me. <laughs> like, like strangely <laughs> enough, like I can walk into a guitar center that you know is lined up with all like the sweetest Les Pauls you could imagine, and I don't even really ever have a desire to pull them down to try them out. You know, yeah. <laughs> you know, because because to me it's just like, well, I'm not gonna get it. I don't have any money because I'm a full time musician, <laughs> so so I can't afford it so there's no sense in me even looking at it like i'm sure there is a guitar up there that i'm just gonna love you know mm -hmm. um but I'm, I'm not interested at all <laughs> you I, know when it comes to gear it just doesn't do anything for me i bet that actually like lends something to like uh what i would just call like your skill level because i mean you got to think about this how many hours did i waste looking up like what does this pedal do that this one doesn't what chip are they using in the up amp section of this pedal well and, like you know i'm looking up boutique pedals and handmade ones and right and and you know I, I mean there's nothing against it i'm not i'm not saying anything against it you know because a lot of great players some of my favorite players use tons of effects mm -hmm. you know on it and and it lends them it lends itself to their playing they're that type of player mm -hmm. i'm just not that type of player you know yeah i mean i'm not i i i have a hard enough time just eqing the three knobs on my amp you know <laughs> uh, you know i'm not a knob turner like I, I get it somewhere close and then i go you know mm -hmm. if you give me a piece of wood with strings on it i can do something mm -hmm. it, if you give me a bunch of gear chances are i'm not gonna do any i'm not gonna be able to tweak it enough to even make it sound great yeah you know so so it's just not that's not my thing well i mean that's that's something to be said though like i mean you probably spent all of that time actually playing the guitar then instead of you know trying to figure out like 
you know, how to properly tweak an amp to make this sound better. And I want to bring a little bit more of this out. So, yeah, I, mean, I suppose. I mean, I mean, I could definitely spend more time practicing guitar. That That's for sure. I would probably always probably within my life, maybe outside like the first two years, you know, but um, most of my time with a guitar in my hand is done. is just spent songwriting, you mm-hmm. know, for the most part or performing, you know, and, and so that's. That's about the gist of what happens when a guitar's in my hand. Never, you know, maybe maybe once a month I'll actually sit down and like practice, you know. Mm-hmm. But every day I pick up a guitar and do like just do the whole same routine, go through all my scales and warm ups, mm-hmm. run through some songs, you know, just to keep them fresh in my mind. That makes know? sense, though. I mean, it's kind of it's kind of like riding a bike, though, in the sense that like you can still ride a bike pretty cool, and you got all these awesome tricks that you've learned, but mm-hmm. uh, just because you haven't learned how to do, you know this one other trick that somebody else did once, it doesn't mean that you're not an awesome bike rider, you know? And that's, I I think it's really crazy to think that, I mean, like you said, there's so many people that have, that have use effects or, I mean, it's almost something that every single person uses in their line. And it's something that you don't even notice that you don't have them. And that's probably the craziest thing about it is, is it's, if, if I was to play certain shows and I just went straight into an amp and then didn't use any effects or whatever, it would be kind of like weird. Um, most people wouldn't notice, but if like I've been to shows before where I forget to click something on or whatever, and we're doing a jam session and I don't have any reverb or delay. And it's just like, this sounds just like honky when everything's supposed to sound like real kind of like wavy and dreamy and I don't have any effects on there, you know? So it it does, you know, it's kind of naked, but you're not playing anything that's like, hey yo jam band man you know like uh mm-hmm. we're just gonna do like a nine minute solo here and uh just do it on the fly you're not doing anything like that too much i mean we can but you know like i'm a big you know one of my top three bands is like the allman brothers yeah yeah you know to, to where they're able to I, I guess they rely on on their um their passages and you know the way that the song flows mm-hmm. rather than you know, because I mean, I don't even know if you ever even hear hear and like Dickie Betts or, or you know, Dwayne Allman or anything ever use like a wah pedal or anything. I mean, maybe they do in a track here or there, but I I've never noticed it. Like you know, yeah. But for the most part, they they have their tone. You know, one's playing slide, one's not. You know, and, and yep. then they they go with it. You know, and and that's how it rolls. Um, so that's always kind of, you know, once I, well, once I got into the Allman Brothers, which is pretty quick, you know, after a couple of years of playing guitar, like, that that's kind of, that probably had the most effect on my style of playing, I would say. Yeah, that's that's pretty cool. I mean, I could definitely see it now that you said that. Um, I, Allman Brothers were always those ones that, when I first started realizing, like, what was going on in the guitar and, like, what majors and minors and stuff were going on, I was like, these guys are pretty much just playing blues in major, which is almost mind blowing, you know, to me that that's a thing that can happen, you know? Yeah. And, and, and it's organic. That's the cool thing about it, you know, because you can listen to a studio version of an Almond Brothers song and then you can listen to umpteen different live versions. And it's the same song, same basic arrangement and all that stuff, but you might have like a six minute version and a 30 minute version, Mm -hmm. you know, from different shows. And, and even in the studio, you can tell how organic it is because you can hear someone doing a solo and, you know, they're known for, like, their harmonies and all that stuff. Well, they do all those harmonies, mo- at least some of them, on the fly. To, mm-hmm. because, because that guitarist doesn't, hasn't composed a solo. He's just playing. And if he likes the take, they keep it. Yep. Well, you can hear the other guitar player sitting there listening. You can hear one passage, and you can hear the guitar, like, lightly playing along in the background. The other, And then by the second time through that passage, it's like, boom. Yep. Like, nailed, 
you know, harmonies on the other guitar, you know, and he had to figure that out on the fly in the studio while they're doing the take. Gosh. Yeah, you know, you know it, it just, it, it's another kind of monster altogether, bands yeah. like that. I mean, that's a testament to how well they know each other and their, like, musical direction and where the person's probably going to end up taking their solo and right. things. Yep. I mean, I can only liken that a little bit to, I mean, like, Three Finger Betty, at the end of every show, we usually play a jam, and uh, it's it's usually kind of basically generally speaking like the same jam we have like a first part we've got like a little breakdown we've got like an end part there might be some other nonsense going on but it's not overly complex as to what we're doing the only thing is it's a lot of like two people soloing and uh when john and i are soloing with each other it's one of those things you learn like we can't all be soloing on the high notes next to each other because that doesn't sound good you know so you start to learn like i gotta stay as far away from wherever this guy's playing on the guitar as possible but still make it sound good and kind of guess where they're going with it and well yeah if you listen to leonard skinner it's the same thing you know they got there's three guitars in that band you know when they were in their heyday you know Mm -hmm. and it's like well they all have to know how to stay out of each other's way you know but still contribute something to the song you know and then that's the main thing that's brilliant uh i remember talking to uh scott doll when i was like i'm gonna be playing i I was playing the jam night with you um at patty's maybe about a year and a half ago over christmas Mm -hmm. and uh, i was just like i'm kind of nervous i don't know what to do like what's the what's the best advice you can give me and he's just like know when to stay out of the way and know when it's your turn to be in the way and it's it's pretty much generally like that because it's like oh man that that made so much sense and it, it helped make me more comfortable because i ended up coming to barnum to play a jam uh initially just to kind of like see what was going on before i went down to play the jam with you and that was like maybe a week earlier or so but it, it made total sense because it's just like this person's sing- if this person's singing and doing their stuff don't don't distract them with some weird ass soloing yeah. you know noodle between the verses not not during yeah. the verses you <laughs> yeah. know there you go. it's so weird that like i sat I, this is stuff that like was you know new to me within the last few years and it's just kind of crazy where you're like oh it's this makes sense, and I don't know how it didn't make sense beforehand, but I it t- sometimes I think it takes the right person showing you yeah. t- or giving you an example. to Yeah, and to- just time spent, you know. I mean, I mean, one of the things that everyone does when they progress as a musician is they learn to be more tasteful, you know, because oh. there, there was definitely numerous years in my career into which I wasn't very tasteful, you know. But, but you know, like with the Republic, it, you know, when you're the only guitar player, you can afford to not be tasteful yeah. like, like uh, no one has to be tasteful when you're a three-piece like because you, mm. you're the ones making the noise and you almost have to be like less tasteful because you have to accommodate for the fact that there's only three of you up there yeah making the noise you know and then i remember i joined uh cheap drinks which was a cover band here in, in fort dodge and um that was the first band i ever played in with another guitar player and uh chris carr was in that band and I and I remember I remember there was one show because there was three guitar players in that band. Mm-hmm. I remember one show Sean Minikis was in that band and he was taking a solo, and I was just doing whatever you know, but playing too loud. And I and I remember Chris like calls over to me. He's like, "Hey," it's like, "What?" He's like, "Quiet down." <laughs> and I was like, I was like huh. And that was like the first time that ever happened to me. Where I was like, "Oh yeah, I guess I am being really loud and someone's taking a solo," you know, and then. And from that, you know, that stuck with me, like, for the rest of my life, <laughs> you know, like, like, if, if someone's taking a solo, I, I play quieter, you know, you don't just play normal, you play quieter, generally, you know, yep. and so, yeah, just gotta know how to stay out of the way, 
you know, when it's your time to stay out of the way, I could be quiet with the best of them. So <laughs> it's one of those crazy things though. Like I, I, it, how much of this stuff we learn kind of on the fly while doing things. Cause that's not something you're going to watch a YouTube video and someone's going to tell you, you know, there's yeah. no, there's nobody like these are, this is the proper etiquette out of jam night, you know, and yeah. like, just make sure you have fun, but don't try to get in the way, you know, yeah, like but not too much fun. Yeah, <laughs> there's none <laughs> of that going on, you know, but yeah. it's, it's, yeah. it's one of those things. I, I, I think the funnest part about playing jam nights is, is staying out of the way until somebody gives you the nod or, or even if like, you're like, I've, I mean, I've been to jam nights with you where I've been the one playing, generally saying, I would say playing the song and singing and stuff, but I, it's just like, Jeremy's going to play all the leads now. So when, uh, I just sit back and let you play all the leads and then it's like, you'd give me a nod. It's like, Oh, I get a lead on this too. And then you're just like, I'm in, I'm in, you know, and it like when it's your chance to shine, it's really fun to get out there and, and do some stuff, you know, and it's God, it's, it's one of the funnest things. Like you said, I never thought about it, but like uh, becoming more tasteful with your music as you get a little bit older, you know, or, or your musical choices. Um, I'm just trying to think like I've I've had so many like me sitting down in the basement with a jam track going jamming. And it's like, dude, this sounded awesome. But then I, I also think like, man, if I had to sit and listen to this while someone was doing this, it's it's almost not awesome, though, because of how. How long just, it takes to layer everything and all that jazz. Yeah, how nonsensical it starts to get after a oh. while. You know, you're just like. Is this solo even a solo? You're just bending one note like a lot and then a little bit and then a lot more. Yeah, you get in front of the right audience, there'll probably be someone who digs it, you know. Yeah, that's true. I mean, <laughs> it comes back to knowing the knowing the audience and playing to the audience a little yeah. bit. I mean, people still go to fish concerts, so That's true. <laughs> you know? I mean, that's like that, the f- that gets pretty out there. <laughs> it mm. does. And that's kind of like I don't want to say that's kind of like what we do in Three Finger Betty, but it's like punch in the gut punk rock music and then jam at the end that's all like reminiscent of something that you would see at a fish concert or something right. or widespread panic or something along those lines For sure. and yep. it's uh it's kind of a weird send-off to give everyone but it's also kind of a testament to be like you know we can do more you know we can do other stuff yeah it's your little signature at the end of the show yeah and i mean the crazy part about that was uh we did have one person contact us about the jams and they're like do you have more of these and it was like no and they're like well if you could fill up like two or three hours with this we'd hire you at a bar and it's like dude we could be like one of those weird bands that never says anything on the mic but just plays like three hour shows yeah it's doable it's doable yeah, if you can jam you can jam i mean just pick a key and mm-hmm. someone do something and see where it goes you know and that's I, I oddly enough that actually works so well i love start like when i first figured out how to start doing that was some of the coolest times in my guitar playing life where it's like you're starting to put all the pieces together for the first time and and be able to go out on your own and jam stuff without having to like read a tab and be like, if I play, you know, five seven five seven, you know, five eight, that'll sound good, you know. And then you could bend the eight, and that'll sound, you know, without somebody telling you what to sound, what sounds good, you can go out on your own and do it. That's, that's yeah. probably the coolest thing ever. How did you, how did you get to that point in your life? Where was that something that you had lessons starting off, or did you partner up with the right people, or, or how did you learn how to, you know? know like oh this song's in this key so i can do this or i'm going to write something and then you're like these chords would sound good together because that's the key of a or something how did you figure any of that out um i think probably the only thing that i could say that i have like any sort of natural talent on is probably an ear I, like I, th- I think I, I i lean towards just having kind of a natural ear i suppose because uh, i always i grew up in a household of two older sisters that were always singing and stuff and you know, I would sing what they sang, and, you know, 
I was used to being able to be able to find the key that they were in and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So that, that was, it was a natural thing to just be able to sing. And, you know, if you get to the point to where you can, the instrument in your hand, you can apply it just to a simple thing like your voice. If you sing a, if you sing a note and you can find that on the instrument, then you're pretty much there. Oh. You know, or that's at least the biggest step. You know, if, you, if you're there, then you can, then you can be, basically get to the point to where if you listen to a song, it's like, okay, the dominant note is this. Yeah. No matter what else happens in the song, this is the note and that's the key. I don't know what note that is, but let me find it. And if you can find it, it's like, okay, it's this note, is it minor or major? And then that's the only thing that you got to figure out. Yep. And at that point, you know, you, you can, you can just keep developing from that. You know, I lost. I lost interest in a lot of bands that I was into before I started playing guitar because, you know, within like a month, I was figuring out how to play their songs. And it's like, oh man, this is all it is. And I was so disappointed because, mm-hmm. you know, because it was like, ugh, you know, like there were so many bands like that now I'm embarrassed to say that I even liked because, yeah. <laughs> you know, when I was younger because it's like, oh man, once I figured out what they were doing and all that, it's like I, I couldn't do it anymore, you know. That is one of the weirdest things about being a guitar player was uh, I, f- I feel like that's almost like a red badge of courage we all have that we have to like wear around and show everyone. It's like a scarlet letter almost that you're like, oh man, I used to really be into this and it's actually not hard to write music. And that's the thing, that's one of the things that m- puts me in this weird category where I like, every time I write anything, I'm like, this sounds like a that song or like, this is almost exactly like the Ramones and I'm not going to like put mm-hmm. this out there because it's... It's something that they could write, and they only played in three chords. I'm just, you know, generalizing horrendously by, you know, talking about the Ramones like that. But it's one of those things where you start to figure out, like, it's really not that difficult. How come somebody else didn't do it, but it's like they're the ones that did it is the thing, you know? So Yeah, sure. I mean, I mean they did it. No one else did it. So there's something to be said for that, you know? And, and you know, I, you know I, gave, I gave up, like, straight-up disliking, per se, bands a long time ago too you know to where mm-hmm. i um you know even if there's a band to where i can't stand what they put out you know there there's people that it, it makes them feel good you know yeah and, and so there's something to be said for it you know they're doing something for somebody you mm-hmm. know even if i think it's just <laughs> shit yeah you know like like some someone someone's being happy made happy from it you know yeah well that's and, when you realize like oh what i have is an opinion not a fact here mm-hmm. so you know i probably should keep this closer to my chest and not just shout it from the rooftop like it's yeah. a fact or something yeah i've definitely found myself guilty of that so much in my life that it's <laughs> i almost don't want to admit it i mean there's so many bands that i used to crap on that i love now and vice versa just based on the simple fact that like i I've, I, you know, I grew up listening to a lot of like punk music and stuff like that. And then you start to like get into metal and you're like, oh, these guys are actually really good at the guitar, you know, yeah. but that's, it's different strokes for different folks. You know, it's also like the different point they're at in their life and what trips their trigger, what they grew up around, what they, you know, what was popular when they were going through formative years, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And, and yeah, I, w- I wish I liked everything like that. That'd be so, that'd be so great if every song you ever heard just rocked your world. Oh my God, that'd be the coolest. I'd I'd just be on cloud nine all the time, you know, but yeah, it just doesn't work that way, you know, but that's fine. That's also how wide the spectrum of music is. I mean, like you can put a guitar in someone's hand and the amount of different stuff that comes out is, is absolutely insane. I mean, just look at who all's around here and the different genres that are covered. I mean, it's pretty mind blowing. That's like, you got a jazz band in Fort Dodge? Like, yeah, there's there's a jazz trio in Fort Dodge. And it's yeah. like, for real? Like, yeah, for real there is, you know. And I mean, it, it just goes up and down the line. 
I, I think the thing that came to me was the better I got at guitar, the more I'd sit down and watch other people play and be like, I would have never thought of that. Like it, it sounds so cool and it doesn't look like it, it's out of my element to play something like that, but I would have never thought about that. And that's the thing that makes it cool for me is the fact that people can play something that wouldn't be something that's in my wheelhouse that I wouldn't normally think of or think I even enjoy, but then they're playing it. And it's like, dude, that's so cool. Cause you're playing it, you know, and it's, it's right in front of my face. I would have never thought of trying that, you know? Um, yeah, no, that, that's the thing too, is, is, you know, no matter how good somebody gets on their instrument, you know, if you have someone who sits in their bedroom for years and years and years and gets really good at whatever instrument they're playing, you know, that's great. And they're probably technically proficient, but sometimes there, I mean, there's a lot more to playing than that. You know, I mean, you can take one note and put it over one chord and it's going to sound okay, cool. And, and if you, if you're in the middle of a solo and you play that one note over another chord, like just those notes combined, you know, can, can make all the difference in the world, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's something that it's hard, hard to learn on your own, you know, without playing with anybody, you know? Yeah. Like that's, and, that's and, and sometimes it's simple. Like you said, it's like, Oh man, I never would have thought of that. Like, that's not a hard line, but like, you know, I, I might play that, you know, sometimes over something like this, but the fact that that person did that right then and there, mm -hmm. like, was like cool that's like you know it makes the song pop there's something about it you know catch your ear yeah i mean one of the, it still gets me even to this day because i'm i don't want to say i'm like a you know a good guitarist i'm I'm, a, I'm good but i'm not anywhere near great at all like uh I mean, i've got a lot of work to do to get even up even up to your level not trying to be like oh you're so good but like <laughs> seriously um i mean i was watching a matt woods video that he put out and he he's just like here's like four or five different little riffs that you know some of them are more difficult than others but here's here's a handful of different riffs if you want to try and learn them go for it you know and uh i i watched some of the videos and some of the easier riffs it was just like well this is easy but like one of the things that was in here i i never would have thought to do and i mean not to get like musically technical but it's like bending a minor seven and then hitting a hitting back to the root note you know precisely and, and, and it's like and when you do it in the song yeah you know, you know and that's something that was like really crazy i was like this sounds so good and then i started loading up jam tracks to try to apply it some places and it's like oh, it doesn't sound good here you know so it doesn't always sound good and that's one of those crazy things you start to realize like i never would have thought about trying this but i mean someone like uh, a matt or yourself like you, you eventually play so many songs you start to absorb knowledge that you don't even know you're absorbing probably you know and yeah yeah you know so, sometimes it's just uh, hours spent can be just as much just as good as you know if, if you put eight hours in of playing you know that's probably about the equivalent of you know an hour of actually just sitting there woodshedding mm -hmm. yeah you know like it's it's more you know you, you, you have to spend more time playing um to maybe learn a certain technical ability or something like that um if you're not concentrating on it mm -hmm. you know it'll just be something that can happen at a certain point yeah i mean it's 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 crazy because i think about like when i first started playing blues music and and playing in pentatonics and and just simple simpler stuff um it was pretty crazy because i didn't realize that uh it you you gain this knowledge that you don't know you have like i had played so many different megadeth songs that were like uh you know it's complex music but if you look up the tabs it's like anybody can play it if you try hard enough so you just go for it and you do it then you start to realize like man a lot of these songs are like either an e minor or b minor you know and you're just like and then they're just applying these pentatonics so you can like fool a solo out of it where you normally wouldn't have been able to and you're like i didn't know this is what i was doing this whole time but it actually 
when you start to the stars start to align it's it's kind of crazy yep. so, so you know some of that might come down to standing next to the right person to help you apply it did you ever have somebody that you like played a lot of guitar with that helped you along your way uh just my friends you know my first band we all we all basically put together a band before any of us had any instruments it was just like a ridiculous scenario we're gonna be in a band you're gonna play guitar you're gonna play bass you're gonna play drums so now let's go buy our instruments and be really good at them and then we're gonna be rock stars you know yeah it was a very simple equation and um you know so there was three guitarists in that band but i mean it was what it was, you know. You know yeah. I mean, it wasn't well, it was great. Molly Hatchet, it, wasn't it? <laughs> we, we were going to be like, you know, the next Cannibal Corpse or something oh, like okay, that. Yeah. You know, like we were, su- we were going to be like super heavy, you know. And um, but but the th- nice thing about when you have someone to learn with is just like there's like friendly competition, I guess. You mm-hmm. know, to where someone's like, oh, check out this riff. I, I just learned like the bridge to fade to black, you know. And then it's like, oh man, show me how you do that. And I can't do that palm mute thing or whatever, you know. Yep. And um, you know that 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 was. That that was the basis of my drive, I guess. But everything that I've learned is pretty much through books. Yeah, that's, so, that's so. pretty wild to say that. I mean, that's um, you know an antiquated tool at this point in the stage. Yeah, you know, you know yeah, I'd, you know now now online is is so prevalent. There's so much information out there, but it's also problematic because anyone can put anything online. You know? Yeah, there's almost too much information. Yeah, I mean. Like, uh, I get to the point where if I want to learn a concept, i got to watch, like, five or six videos until you find the right person explaining it the way that you want to hear it. In order yeah, to... and at that point, it's not even worth the time to me. Like, like you, know, <laughs> you know, like, if like if I have to learn a song, I'm just going to bring it up on YouTube and listen to it and figure it out, you know, like mm-hmm. rather than, like, going and looking up tabs because there's so many, like, almost always there's something wrong in, yep. in, in the tab that I find online or something like that, almost always, mm-hmm. you know, it almost never fails. So it's like, you know, and then you have to hunt around for something that's right. Yep. You know, by the time I spent all the time finding the right stuff, I could have just learned it by that yeah. time, you know, so I don't even bother with it anymore. Yeah, it makes, makes sense. I mean, when I first started playing guitar, the internet was like in its uh, infancy as far as uh, like an information place like it is now. Uh, YouTube was around-ish. You know, it was it was there, but not there. And, uh, I mean, Ultimate Guitar was there, but it wasn't really, like, what it is now, you yeah. know. And, and nowadays, like, they've integrated so much stuff where you can almost put, like, um, like Guitar Pro type stuff in there where you can play along with the song almost as if it was, like, uh, uh, like karaoke style, you know. And it's just, like, here's the notes to hit when, just hit them when the line gets there and, and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, and, and I'm, you know, I'm sure there are reputable sources done online and everything, you know. But but I guess on, on the flip side to it, too, I also find just figuring out a song to be a good exercise in general. Oh, know? yeah. Like, keeps you on your toes, you know, keep, keeps the knife sharpened, I guess. Yeah, totally. I mean, in the kitchen. <laughs> that's not a skill everyone has, though, too. I mean, that's, like, I, I can figure out some songs, but other songs, it's like, I got no clue. And then I got to watch a playthrough or something to kind of get, oh, your hands are over here. That means you're playing this this way, and I can... Yeah. get it from there you know yeah i mean I'm, I'm a pretty firm believer that it's teachable and applicable with the majority of people like i would say like in the 90 percentile I, I think the 90 percentile of people if they spend enough time with an instrument and actually spending enough time to like accrue that ability i think it's doable uh, some people are going to have to spend a lot more time than other people you know yeah. just based off of where they're starting from 
And at that point, you know, you have to decide how much time do I really want to spend accruing this ability? You know, yeah. is it worth my time or is it just easier to go find something online or, or you know, buy a book or something like that? Yep. You know, um, so, so it's all just time management when yeah. someone has to give to it. So, uh, you know, now that we've got all this information picked out of you and we talked about how you came back and only had the one show, mm. I'm sure you're taking bookings again, um, playing shows. Yeah, June's pretty booked up, so everything's pretty much back to normal now. Nice. Yeah, it was nice. pretty dicey there for a while. Um, Brutal Republic Facebook page for all the events, I'm assuming? Yep. All right. Yep. It should be, it should be up to date. Nice, as cool. As I can remember. So uh, I'm, I'm also assuming if anybody wants to try and contact you for a booking, that might be a good place to start. Yep awesome Absolutely. so so you got it there um you know like i said i've i've known you for a long time like when i was in my most infant stages of playing guitar you invited me to play a show and i pretty much just couldn't based on my talent level at the time but it was cool to come back and actually be able to play at a jam night with you you know be one of the quote-unquote host musicians Absolutely. That, that i mean that's it's tons of fun man I'm, I'm glad that you're i'm glad you're around you know and uh, i'm glad you have the ability to do all the things you do and, and invite as many people. And, and, you know, like I said, I go out and I've been trying to get to more shows and it seems like almost every show I go to that's around the Fort Dodge area. If you're not on it and you're not playing somewhere, you're there watch, yeah. you know, watching. I mean, it's, it's uh you're one of the biggest supporters of music around the area. So I try to be, yeah, yeah. man, I, 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 I really just enjoy it. <laughs> if I didn't enjoy it, I wouldn't do it. So uh, yeah. I mean, it's probably second nature to you. So yeah, it's, I, not, dude, it's not work by any means. So, awesome. Yeah. Awesome. You know, that's good to hear. It's one of those things that, uh, you know, you're, you're not out there cause it's like, this is the right thing to do. It's just like, it's just what you like doing. And that's, yeah. that's really cool. You know, I like music. <laughs> Sweet. Well, Jeremy, uh, I mean, we've covered, well, I guess we're pretty close to an hour actually. So, um, Brutal Republic Facebook page, otherwise uh, Lone Tree Revival Facebook yep. page as well. Uh, they can find some more of your stuff there. Uh, yep. You're in that band as well. Uh, cool band. Still haven't seen them live. Even oh. when you came to Humboldt the one time, I think I actually slept through it. I like went to take a nap oh, and then yeah, woke yeah. up at like 11 and was like, no, <laughs> no, <laughs> just missed it. So it happens. Oh man. So I'm I'm hoping to see you guys out there at a show sometime soon and get a booking, you know, somewhere nearby because I can't wait to see you guys there. But uh, dude, it's it's always fun to sit down and talk with you and and uh, see what's going on and stuff. So Likewise, I really appreciate man. you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Oh, baby, another good episode with Jeremy. I like sitting down talking with him. He's, he seems to always have something pretty good to say, um, you know, as far as his just his take on, on playing and his take on what's going on in the scene and, and things like that. He's always had a pretty level head on him, so that's pretty cool. I like to sit down and talk with him and, and just, uh, just, just kind of, you know, banter some things back and forth. One thing I do have to say is uh, I haven't seen him play with Lone Tree Revival yet, but... This weekend, there's a chance. Friday, which is tomorrow, there's going to be... That's Friday, June 12th. If anybody's listening to this late, uh, you might have already missed it. But Friday, June 12th, at 6 o'clock, they're going to be playing at uh, Soldier Creek Winery in Fort Dodge. So if you haven't seen Lone Tree Revival, which I have missed my opportunity to do that a couple of times, this is the shot. This is. The, I mean, I hope I can make it. I'm going to try uh, to do it if I can. I know I have a band practice that night, so it might be a little difficult, but we'll see what's going on. That show is uh, 6 o'clock till 8 o'clock, Friday, June 12th at Soldier Creek Winery, so check it out. I'll have some links down below to Lone Tree Revival if you want to go to their page and shoot them a like and and, and check it out. Um, like I said, it's, this is one of those bands that is is 
unconventional. It's not just you know four guys playing guitar and bass and just being loud. It's this is some of the best musicians in Northern Iowa combining all their talents into one very awesome band. I've seen videos, I haven't seen them live, and I know it's a special thing. So check it out if you can. That's this Friday, June 12th. Uh, uh, Vineyard Vibrations is what they call it. It's at Soldier Creek Winery in Fort Dodge. So check that show out. Like I said, if you want to want more information, scroll down to the description section, find the Lone Tree Revival link that I have for Facebook, and it'll be there. Hey, so... Uh, Check that show out. It's going to be tons of fun. I hope I can make it. If I can't, someone uh, someone take lots of pictures and videos and share them on Facebook for me so I can check it out. Uh, Jeremy, hey, thanks for sitting down talking with me about about all sorts of different things. Uh, we went through like the gear talk segment. We went through playing different shows with different types of bands. We we talked about the coronavirus. We talked about going to Texas and playing shows and uh, just kind of expanding yourself as a musician altogether. And that's something that. I feel like Jeremy's done a pretty good job of um, in his, I don't want to say career, but in his career, you know, it's music has been like the most important thing to him pretty much his entire life. So it's it's really cool to be able to sit down and chat with people like that, the play shows, you know, almost every single weekend, always, and, uh, you know, sometimes two or three times a week, four times a week. It's pretty wild. So, hey, if you uh, like what you got in Jeremy, check out Vineyard Vibrations this weekend. Otherwise, you can check him out in Brutal Republic, Acoustic Republic, whatever he's playing in. He's, like I said, he plays tons of shows. Uh, I saw him at a jam night recently, and he, he played a couple tunes, and it was, you know, it's just fun to see him play. I uh, He's been one of those people that I've, I've known about since I first started playing guitar, and and he's always been really nice to me, and uh, you know he's never been one to to judge people based on their talent levels. Not that anybody really is, but uh, you know he's always been really inviting, and he you know he gave me my first shot at playing uh, at a jam night, and you know it's just really fun. It's really fun to be able to sit down and talk with him and know that there's people like out, that out there that are just constantly grinding every single week and giving back to the community, uh, not just the community around them, but their peers and the music scene as well. So uh, hats off to you, Jeremy. I really appreciate it. And, uh, you know, hats off to everybody that's listening. I appreciate you guys listening every single week. If you need more information on what's going on on Audible Farm, you can check out audiblefarm.com. And you know, we've got links to the social media, the YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, everything's there, um, as well as links to where you can listen. You can listen directly from the website as well. So uh, check that out. I really appreciate everybody checking out the website. We've got T-shirts and sweatshirts still available for sale. If you want some of those, shoot us a, a message somehow, and we'll... We'll get it all lined up. So that's that. I really appreciate it. Another thing I really appreciate is Couchtown Coffee. Couchtown Coffee sponsored us for like a year straight now almost, and uh, it couldn't be better. I I really enjoy the coffee. Uh, Thanks, Andrew, for sponsoring us. You can save 20% this week if you make an order. Go back to the intro and listen to that code word and uh, save yourself some money on some of the best coffee you will ever have, guaranteed. Uh, Hey, you know, I... It's been a really good time sitting down talking with people over Skype, but it was also really good to be able to sit down with somebody one-on-one in person and converse with them. I feel like it adds a little bit more of a personal feel to it. It's a little bit difficult to do uh, interviews over Skype. I mean, I think I pulled it off pretty well for a couple months there, but like I said, nothing beats face-to-face contact with somebody. So uh, hats off to you, Jeremy, for joining me this week. I really appreciate you taking some time out of your evening to sit down and talk with me. And uh, hey, if you guys like what you hear here, um, check it out anywhere you want. Subscribe, share it with your friends, and uh, you know, I really appreciate it. 
Uh, now that venues are opening back up, I'm starting to stash some stickers back at venues that I go to. Uh, that was like one of my little things I used to do back in the day was I'd go to a show and then I'd you know, stick some stickers and hide them somewhere, you know, either by the business card section or on bulletin boards or things like that. So if you check us out on Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter, things like that, you might see us posting about how I've left some stickers places. So if you see any of those stickers lying around at any of the venues you go to to go check out shows, snag one up. They're free. It's for you. Um, recently I went to the Junkyard in Barnum to a jam night and those are every Tuesday night uh, at the Junkyard in Barnum, Iowa and man every time I leave stickers there I come back about a month later and, and most of them if not all of them are gone so I, I stuck some more there so next time you're at the Junkyard in Barnum for a bite to eat or a drink or maybe to enjoy some tunes check it out I left them on the bulletin board so go to that bulletin board and snag a free sticker from us uh, thanks to everybody for listening, and I want to say thanks once again to Jeremy, and thanks again to Couchtown. I will be back next week with another awesome episode, so check that one out. Um, I'm still working on doing some stuff on the YouTube channel. I'm trying to find the best way to set up stuff for audio so it's not you know, ear-piercing to listen to, because that's, that's not justifiable in any sense. So I'm trying to figure out the best way to, to control my audio in, in the... Um, non-soundproofed room that I'm going to be doing my recording in. So we'll see how that turns out. I'm still working on a uh, quote-unquote new YouTube show that I'm going to be um, debuting hopefully sometime soon. Uh, you know, I had a couple setbacks and, and the audio is just not the greatest, but we'll get it figured out and uh, with some help from my friends. So I really appreciate everybody listening and uh, thanks to uh, Jeremy for being a guest and I will check everybody next week. Peace.